Okay, so Shane, how's it going, buddy? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, welcome to the, the Shrewsbury Biscuit. Today we're going to be speaking to Dr. Lucy Andrew about um, her pop, popular fiction summer school uh, at the end of June. Um, but yeah, I thought we'd just find out how you've been. You've been okay? Yeah, yeah, I've been good. Working. <laughs> always <laughs> working. Always working, man, always working. Yeah. No, it's been good. It's been good. Um, over the last couple of weeks, uh, with Father's Day and things like that, I've spent a lot of time with my kids. Um, and obviously my birthday, which was not yeah. long after Father's Day. I couldn't come out for that, I felt so bad. It's all right, man. It's all right. I was like, oh, there's not enough beer tokens in the beer. <laughs> <laughs> there's never enough beer tokens. Never enough beer tokens. <laughs> so I couldn't come out, but I, I did uh, I did buy you a, a T-shirt for, uh, for, you the, did. for the other you shirt. You did. For the, for the, for the, no, it's not. It's for the biscuit, isn't it? Yeah. Was it biscuit one, is it? Yeah. yeah well, Sweet. Because we, we now have T-shirts on tpublic.com. We if you do. Yeah, we so. do. And uh, And... If anybody's listening and they're interested in at least having a look, I mean, not everything is on the Facebook shop at the moment, but if you go through to TeePublic, um, all the merch is on there. Um, and it's and it's good quality as well. I mean, somebody bought a T-shirt from, from the other show yeah, and read good reviews off that. Um, well, I saw, I saw the, the, the picture of the actual T-shirt and the prints are really good. Are they? The, the, yeah, the, the quality of the prints. Because like, the logo for my other show, Thorskin, um, that I did like a because we come up to our hundredth episode on there. But I did like a celebra- celebratory sort of logo with the the logo. Of it looks of, smart, man. Loads it of like smart. yeah, it's like a tiled um, collection of all the images and the the progress of the logo and things. Um, so yeah, it, it looks really good and like the the quality of the print is quite really good. So it's just nice just to just to get you know recognised and stuff. We walk around with uh, and also like we can rock up to events and not have to go. We are from the Shrewsbury Biscuit, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. Um, but yeah, well done for uh, doing all that as well of the Facebook page because it looks. It's, it's looks getting awesome. there. It's getting there. It's going to take a bit of time. That's all. Yeah. Um, well, I've had a busy week. I've been on holiday. <laughs> went to uh, we went to Wales. Went to Havani Moor in Perthshire. Hmm? Um, you get there quite a lot, though, don't you? I've been. <laughs> I said to the wife, I don't want to go to Havani Moor. I don't want to go there again. I've been there so many times, but you know, this time I went there and. I actually had a blast. It was really good. Yeah. We had a real good break in the weather. Yeah, because we had, we had all that torrential rain for like three or what was it like two weeks or something. We had yeah. really bad rain, and then uh, we got there. The, the morning we went on holiday it was absolutely tearing down. I was like, "Oh great, we're going to Wales, and it's pouring down the rain." <laughs> but by the time we got to rain, that the sun came out, and <clears throat> yeah, we, we had a really good time. Um, it was more like it, I, I found like. Watching my little boy enjoying himself. Yeah, I'm getting to that stage now where I'm just kind of can sit back and just watch him smile and enjoy himself. And that's what it's all about, though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. That's, what, that's that's what you go for. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he got to uh, he got to go on stage as well, which is oh god, melt my heart. They do like this thing um, where like they do like auditions, and if mm. you if you can dance, um, learn the choreography, you can join in with the crew, like just just for the one night and. Um, <laughs> for this he kids needed to be five upwards and uh timmy's four so we, <laughs> we had to teach him uh that we're going to pretend to be five so i was I was practicing holding a pretend microphone going hi what's your name and he'd go timmy and i'd be like how old are you timmy and he'd be like four i'd be like no you're five <laughs> <laughs> so uh so yeah we, we taught him to to, be, to pretend to be five and then when it finished was like you can be you can be four again now it's quite funny but <laughs> you it, flat out taught him how to lie <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah he's going to use that against you when he wants to buy beer when he's older you know that <laughs> yeah. remember that time um but yeah he did like an hour of choreography on that one morning and an hour the, the next morning 
morning and then they went straight into the show and I put a video up on Facebook and he was brilliant absolutely fantastic and then they pulled me up on stage and they did this this party game where um, you hold a um, a foam pie a shaving foam pie there's like a load of us in a row you gotta hold it and while the music's playing you gotta spin around and pass the plate on spin around pass the plate on but the, the woman on the on the on the decks or you know that was running it take it took it to, she thought it was funny to just keep landing the music on me so i got three pie faces in in consecutively <laughs> and <laughs> it was quite funny yeah it was a good time it's a good time and then i come back and uh so back. you weren't mr aquafun this time no i was mr pie face <laughs> <laughs> no, it was a good time i really enjoyed it um so yeah, we've got we've got Dr. Lucy Andrew coming in in a bit. We, we're going to be talking about um, about popular fiction, and uh, you know, uh, it's everywhere, isn't it? Popular fiction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I want to find out, you know, kind of the importance of it all and, and where it kind of leads to. Because I mean, look at things like uh, Twilight and yeah, and well, Harry-, Harry Potter and stuff. You know, it, it's reaching out more I think nowadays, especially because I think there's a lot more um, platforms for it to go out on. Like, you know, you have your audiobooks right the way through to films, TV series, you've got... Blogs you know, even, you know? Blogs, yeah. You know, creative YouTube, you know, YouTube's a massive one. So you've got these, uh, you have large, I say large, uh, you have very sort of famous uh, podcast, not podcasters, um, you know, video creators and that kind of stuff on YouTube and stuff. And they, they're into it. And because they have a following, then that, that knocks on and then... yeah. You know, and it spreads like wildfire. And I think that you know more. I think kids should be into it, man. I, I don't think we should stop kids being into fiction. No, I, I think you're right. And we were talking about this in comics and Lopia. Like when you pick something that's popular already, like a book that's popular, or a comic book that's popular, or, some, or a blog, even whatever, it's already got an audience base. So as soon as you, as soon as you're like, oh, we're going to make a TV series of this, or we're going to throw it on Netflix, or you know, we're going to create a movie, the audience is already there. So yes, it, yeah. like you know, you never know, you know if you take your creative process and put it onto a piece of paper and write, you, you know, it could be worth something someday. And, you know, it's the same with the podcast. You know, we were talking about the merchandise and things like that, you know, that somebody from the other show in America that, you know, they're, they're buying our t-shirts in America, the things that we designed. Yeah. And just, just, just that alone, just like, even if it's like two or three people walking around with like Thorskin t-shirts or, or Shrewsbury Biscuit t-shirts, it's like, it's so inspiring. Like, yeah. That we, yeah. We put that together, you know, and it's the same with everything. You know, so I'm really happy um, to be speaking to her. Um, so yeah, we, what we'll do is we'll uh, we'll wait for her to get here, and uh, yeah, this is going to be uh, Doctor Lucy Andrew. Next week we've got uh, the mayor Phil Gillum coming on. Uh, I'm looking forward to chatting to him. Um, I spoke to him at Comic Salopia. You know, he's a big fan of the show. He listens in, mm. and that's really nice. Phil Gillum, he's he's a great guy. Um, I've learned a lot from him, and uh, <laughs> I think it was like his first week into into his mayorhood, mm. or, you know. And I was kind of like, "How's it going?" And he's like, "It's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot, man. I do like like two events a day." And he was he was a bit shell shocked. I suppose I'll be quite interested to talk to him because it, it, you know, the general public, I think, on the whole, don't really know what a mayor does. You know, yeah. um, I don't, apart from appearing at random places and and doing the mayor bit, uh, you don't really see what kind of goes on behind closed doors. Do you know what I mean? Like, what, yeah. what he actually does on a daily basis. So it'll yeah. be interesting to actually talk to him and and, and hopefully get a bit of a scoop on, on what, what what mayorhood is what actually mayor is, does, you know? Yeah. Um, especially if he is that busy that when he took it on, it was like a smack in the face. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, it'll be quite interesting to find out exactly what, 
what that entails really yeah and uh for the listeners that enjoyed our our coverage of the darwin festival as well we've been included in in the planning process for the darwin festival so it looks like we're going to be very much taking a, a you know a good role in the in, uh, the next darwin festival as well 2020 so um i look forward to that that'd be really good and yeah like shane says you know he's created this store if you want to buy a mug with the shrewsbury biscuit logo on it's a great design logo you know the guy that designed the logo is is is, is a great guy you know <laughs> <laughs> i love hard work he's, he's a beautiful man he's a beautiful man he's got a great voice um, <laughs> yeah. make sure you check out um the links on our we're gonna have the as you go onto our Facebook page, there is a store button at the top of tab. Click that and you can you get access to, to everything there. Or but, just go on to tpublic.com, type in the shoes. Yeah, basket. I mean, you have to keep an eye on the, the Facebook page uh, on that shop section because um, as we move forward, um, we're going to obviously add more and more merch uh, with more and more different designs. Mm. Um, and also, if, if, you've got, if, if anybody out there is listening... Uh, has an idea for a merch or has an idea for a product that you would like to see the the design um, printed on, then let us know. Or we'll, if you're we'll a design buff yourself and you want to design or something, that'd be yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hit us up. Um, and uh, and as always, we're actually, I suppose we better, might as well plug it. But, you know, if, if there's any sponsors out there that wants to uh, wants to sponsor us and we can come to some sort of arrangement, then uh, drop us an email or send the Facebook page a message or message me, me or Al. Um, and we'd love to have a chat with you and see what we can do. Because, I mean, obviously, with sponsorship, we can then get better merch, more merch, you know? Um, yeah, like like any that. any money that we make from the show is going to go straight back into the yes, show. So that yeah. means, like, maintaining the equipment because, you know, I'm sitting looking at this really battered old microphone cable going to, like, ah, it's, it's, a, it's an SM58 microphone, but it's, it's an old battered thing. We like to keep things going. These these mic stands that I use are really cheap. I remember I turned up to do the Comic Slopia Slobberknocker, and uh, Dan Berry was there, who does a podcast. He's local as well. He had all this really Gucci kit, and I was like, do you not want to use mine? And he looked at it, and he was like, no, <laughs> you're okay. <laughs> so, no, no. <laughs> That's I, a no from me. I do have an idea for sponsorship, um, but I, I don't want to, uh, you know, go on about that just too yet. Uh, it's too I mean, early. You know what? Even if there is a local uh, small printing company or something like that that would like to uh, donate a little bit of, of well, um, I would like I would like to use a local company to create our t-shirts yes, i don't want to just yes. use t public so uh because but because i, I we, we stretch for money i can't buy t-shirts at the moment so if we can move away from t public um by using support local yeah support a local t-shirt designer uh that'd be really good so anyway uh, we've been rambling on for a bit uh, <laughs> should be here shortly anyway yeah, should be here should be here in a second so the next thing you're going to hear is uh dr lucy andrew and we're going to be talking about Popular Fiction Summer School, uh, which is in the end of June. So, Hope you enjoy it. Yeah, peace out, guys. Thanks. Um, so, so Dr. Lucy Andrew, thank you very much for for joining us on the on the Shoes with Biscuit. We met briefly at Comic Salopia. We did, yes. Yeah, um, it was a really good weekend. It was an amazing weekend. I was so excited to 
that it was happening um, at the university centre, a lot of it. So, yeah, yeah, I got in on some brilliant sessions there. Yeah, we, we were there all weekend. Uh, yeah. And like I said, um, we got a few very rapid fire kind of interviews there. But I want to take a, a quite a slow kind of mosey on through what we what, what you want to talk about today. Um, but we were talking about uh, the, the amazing quality of the guests at Comic Salopio because yeah. uh, there were some quite inspiring people like Chip Kidd and, yeah. and Frank Quitely and, um, you know, uh, it was a really good weekend. I really enjoyed it. Um, and I took a lot away from it as well. You know, just do it. That, that was like, really <laughs> the common thing, wasn't it? Yeah. So, yeah. so me and Shane are going to talk to you today about what you want to talk about. You've got, um, well, first of all, let's find a bit about, bit about you. Okay. So let's, let's find out about you. So what is it that you do? Um, well, I'm a lecturer in English literature and program leader um, of the English degree at the University Centre Shrewsbury. Yeah. Um, we are still very new, so we opened in 2015. Um, I've been there for two and a half years now. Um, and basically what I do is I teach people, I put the course together, um, I do my own research as well. So I do a lot um, of research into children's literature, young oh, wow. adult fiction. Crime fiction. I'm a massive Harry Potter fan. Yeah. <laughs> you'll you'll probably you know, see me walking around in my Slytherin robes quite often. Ooh, Slytherin. Oh, Slytherin. Oh yeah, you have to watch me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's really cool because like um, I've I've got because I've got a little four year old boy. Um, as you can see, the toys just dotted all around my house. You know, um, and I've been reading. I read to him every night, and I found a few books that I really like. And it's because I like to do mess from a voice acting and things like that. There's one called Oi Frog. I love Oi Frog. Oi Frog, yeah. And if I was to do that on like, you know, CBBS, I'd probably get kicked turfed off because I do the, I do the frog <laughs> in a French accent. I just like it. It's, it, <laughs> it, it makes sense. It just makes sense. It's, you know, um, and there's, the, I think children's books are kind of, they kind of, can be quite difficult because you've got to get to the point in a safe manner, haven't you? You know, mm. um, and like Oi Frog does that very very good mm. <laughs> it does the amazing thing about that for me i i picked it up in um button and bear actually the children's bookshop in town which is a fantastic shop um it was recommended to me by louise chadwick the owner um i picked it up i took it into work and the number of people adults these were you know particularly grown men who stopped me went oh you frog when, when they saw it and, and they probably haven't even got kids <laughs> no some, some of them i don't think have so. um but, but it's great to be able to take something like that and say right let's take this into you know the lecture theater into the seminar room and look at it because these things you know people think particularly with children's literature i think that it's fairly simplistic because it's for children but actually there's some really complex stuff going on here and that's what we like to sort of dig and that's what i mean like in this small book with not a lot of of writing in it is like you said it gets to the point and it's quite clever how it makes its points um and you know, I, I think it's 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 great as well to know that you know when I was a kid we had the hungry caterpillar and mm-hmm. <laughs> and what's the multicolored elephant um, Elma. Elma the, yeah. you know they're still writing classics out there. So <laughs> I'm, quite, I'm quite happy about that. Quite, what did what did you find about Oi Frog then? Did you did you do a, uh, anything on it? Did you did you find anything? Um, well, I I'm taking it hopefully into the classroom next year because I'd only sort of just discovered it after um, I'd done my picture yeah, book sessions. Yeah. Um, the the whole sort of use of language there 
is is really interesting um actually and this is something that i think we we take for for granted and don't realize sometimes about picture books that the pictures are hugely important but they're also introducing children to to sounds and language um and and wordplay and things that they you know there are dual layers in picture books as well that there's some stuff in there which is much more for the adult reader than it is for the child Mm. reader so we talk about this dual audience when we look at picture books um and this complexity of the narratives as well that you you have you know three key narratives going on in picture books you have the the words you've got the pictures and you've got how the pictures and the words interact with each other yeah so while they look very simple actually there's a lot going on so that's um one of the things that 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 i try and tap into when we look at picture books yeah it's teaching kids about relationships and you know uh, like we've got this book called uh, this zoo is not for you and it's about a platypus who rocks up to a zoo and the, and the guys are like, well, we've got these skills and we can do this and we're beautiful and we do this and you're a platypus. And, and in the end, they were like saying, you can't come in this zoo, you're not welcome here and stuff like that. And in the end, he was just trying to give them an invitation to the, his party on his platypus because the platypus had a platypus and they, they were partying on there and they were like, well, we've got the wrong end of the stick, sorry, we'll be your friend. So it's kind of teaching not to judge, you yeah. know? In a fun there's, way. there's a lot in, in contemporary picture books about sort of inclusivity and diversity and I think that's really important to get those kind of messages across the children from a very young age and their parents as well yeah, yeah. actually who might not have been picking up these messages themselves yeah. at that age so I think I think picture books are doing some really important stuff there's actually an anti-Brexit picture book really? really? I, I can't remember the name of it but I saw it the, the other day on Twitter which is coming out in October so I said you know brilliant I need to get that one and, and take that in can you think do you think that could be I won't say dangerous but you know brainwashing kids for things I don't know it's quite easy isn't it just to well, mould someone into your and know. this is the 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 kind of difficulty and also the power of children's books that, that the importance is um, this idea of ideology in picture books um, is very strong you know this idea of sending particular messages to children sometimes you know, subliminally yeah um, because you know children are, are very malleable in terms of you know what what they think what they feel what they're learning and yeah. they pick up a lot of stuff from from this kind of culture so all books i think are trying to get across a particular message but children's books in particular um are are trying to disseminate particular ideologies to their readers even if they're not you know consciously intending to um and again that's one of the things that i find so fascinating about studying children's literature it's it's it is fascinating uh, have you got a, an old an old favourite that I used to read in school? Oh, weirdly, I, I don't um, I don't read very often. Um, I, re- I, I, I don't read as much as I should. I mean, bear in mind, my sister is a um, branch manager at a library. You know, she, she literally runs a library, mm-hmm. and she used to read constantly. She always had a book, you know, a book in hand. And um, but I don't read. I didn't read too much. It's what I'm one of the people. It just doesn't. It just doesn't go in. I just have some sort of barrier. But um, I've obviously, with the with now you have audio books and that kind of stuff. I'm starting to um, I'm starting to get into it a bit more, and I'm a bit older, so I'm a bit more committed. Yeah, you know, I, I do try. Well, you um, use the word "should" there as well, and 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 I think that that's you know a, a potentially dangerous message that comes across sometimes is that reading is not for pleasure. Reading is something that you have to do and you must do and you yeah. should do. And being a sort of popular fiction scholar m- myself, and having sort of grown up reading very popular stuff in my own childhood you know I read lots of pony books I read things like um the goosebumps the horror goosebumps, series uh... stuff that my teachers told me I shouldn't be reading 
and yet it clearly hasn't done me that much harm. He's all right, isn't he? And and that's that's my my point about popular fiction, I suppose, is that that there's often this kind of um, resistance to certain types Mm. of texts because they're popular or they're not... um, they don't have that strong educational function or they're, you know, they're not high art. Mm. But I say any kind of reading is good reading. You should read what you want to read. And it can actually be sort of quite detrimental to children to being forced to read, you know, the canon of children's literature, the yeah. classics, the mm. things that adults think they should read. Um, and it can be detrimental to, to adults as well who who are perhaps, you know, the, the, the term reluctant reader comes up again. It's not a term that I particularly like. Um, but there is a sense still, I think, of having this, this kind mm. of canon, these kinds of texts that we should be reading. But I think any reading is good reading. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, I suppose, what I'm trying to get across in in my teaching in my public engagement yeah. say that that you know all books are, are good and interesting in some way and that we should encourage any kind of reading yeah yeah and not just reading you know shakespeare or dickens for instance mm. Mm. i mean uh, I, I read like i think i've only read cover to cover like a handful of books in my whole entire life i mean you've got things like we did like Stig of the Dump at school mm-hmm. I mean like we read that cover to cover and weirdly enough I actually got a better grade in English lit than did in actually English in GCSE <laughs> somehow but I think that that was because at the time uh, I was doing a lot of creative writing um, and I used to do like um, role playing and stuff on online I used to do like um, I used to write I had a character and I would write on like pro boards um, and it would be you probably heard of them before where you got like you know you, you put you know joe blogs was sat in a pub that kind of thing and you sort of mm-hmm. write this big sort of post about you know the setting a stage kind of thing and then somebody else would come in and oh, you know yeah. some mm-hmm. random person would be like somebody walked into the pub and saw <coughs> joe blogs sat in Excuse the pub me. and like you know then you sort of like come up you know roll on from each other and you kind of just do it like that and i did that for quite a while and um and I actually really engaged with that. That was really good until obviously work started and, you know, life. And I just basically ran out of time. I couldn't sit and write it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just sort of lost touch with it again, really. But um, but I enjoyed, I enjoyed that. That was good. I, I, I find myself reading a lot more now. Excuse me. <coughs> I wrote frog in my throat today. Um, I, I find myself reading a lot more Is now. Is it French? <laughs> it's French. <laughs> it's not <a> frog. <laughs> um, Especially when you get like an author on, you know, we've had Lisa Blower on, we've had yes. uh, Ron Morgan, and we've, you know, so I want to, I want to read what they've written if they're going to come on the show, and it, you know, and it doesn't, it for me, it seems like homework, you know, mm. it seems like, but it's not mm. because I like disappearing into a book, especially like, um, um, Lisa's about you know growing up in Stoke and around them kind of uh, how hard it was during the Thatcher area things like that. Um, that was really important to me. But you know what you're saying about um, how finding things for kids to read that they want to read, how do you tackle that? Because you know you say that you shouldn't judge a book by its cover, but that's all you got to go on in a book. How do you encourage someone to read something about something that they want? You know? <laughs> that, they, that they'd like? Is it? Yeah, I mean, it's a difficult one because, you know, I don't have kids myself yeah. and I don't have um, young relatives. So, you know, I'm the youngest Ooh. in my family. So I haven't ever been in a position, um, apart from buying books for my friend's children of directly encouraging children into reading so it is hard but I often find myself in bookshops and seeing um, you know because I'm always in the children's section 
yeah. as I would be. Um, and I see parents with their children. I see children pick up books and their parents say, oh, no, no, you don't want to read that one. You know, that's too old for you mm. or it's too young for you. Or, um, you know, they, they've heard of a particular author that they think they should be reading. Or probably the most frequent one is is they go back to their own childhood reading, things yeah. that they're familiar with and say, yeah. well, I enjoyed this, so you must enjoy it too. And, you know, I do try and push Harry Potter on, on everyone. Rightly yeah. so, <laughs> so they're brilliantly written books. They the, are there is that. But I, sometimes I, I think you have to let children decide for them. Experiment. So, you know, if, if they yeah. pick something up and they say... I want to read this, unless it's vastly inappropriate for them to, you know, if there's... Here's a Dean Koontz model if, <laughs> of books. I mean, if, if they're four and they're going into the young adult section, okay, that's mm. a bit of a problem, potentially. But I, I think, you know, letting children, and libraries are good for this, because yes. libraries doesn't involve parents, you know, purchasing things or, or giving yeah. giving their children money to make this decision with and you know you often see in bookshops now here's your you know five pounds or ten pounds and you you can buy one book and it's very important the decision you make here whereas in a library of course yeah yeah there's there's not that kind of pressure and do you know what the two fair li- librarians have have this you know <laughs> My sister often says that, like, you know, librarians are superheroes because, like, you know, they are. Um, you know, you can go into a library and you're like, I, I, you know, there's a book I read about 30 years ago about <laughs> war, right? Okay, so what sort, what, which war was it? <laughs> and then, like, you know, with very, very few questions, you know, my sister can then just walk over, grab about three, three books, but it would be one of these, and yeah. invariably she's right. Mm-hmm. You know, she does nail it. And I think as a child, I used to, you know, I, I went to my local library. It was just down the road. A lot of my reading habits I picked up from there. Um, I'm a big Nancy Drew fan, um, the girl detective. Um, yeah. And um, they had a huge number of Nancy Drew books in my library. And I think the reason I picked one up is because it, I think it was The Secret of Shadow Ranch was the first one I picked up because there was a horse on the cover and I liked pony books. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. and so that's what I did. You know, I was judging mm. a book by its cover. I picked it up. I read it. I really enjoyed it. I found out I liked detective fiction. I went on to do my PhD on children's detective fiction. Um, but it all came out of me sort of having a, a preference because I love ponies picking up a book for the cover and then sort of moving into a new area. So I was very sort of self-directed in my reading. So do you think that's how this happened? Do you think that that was the inspiration then for you to be doing what you're doing now was your fascination with reading books about ponies? Sounds sounds very big. Yeah, well, weirdly, I I think it is because I wouldn't have got into those detective books, which I so love, without having first, you know, had that interest in in pony books series I, I liked series fiction I think mm. because I found it quite reassuring to have the same characters and, and to sort of know what was yeah. was happening um, and, and to have something you know I don't like change and so having a, a series with a hundred plus books in it was fantastic for mm. me as until a child. you get to the end I've been there <laughs> yeah I read um, I read but uh, this isn't children's fiction at all so children if you're listening don't read this but uh, the sharp books he wrote mm-hmm. Bernard Cornwell yeah. wrote the sharp books and there's like at 22 and they were mm. quite big books and I read them all and when I read the last one I put it down I was like what oh. is life <laughs> what do I do yeah. it can be hard when you put a big investment into it yeah. a series like that and then it finishes and you yeah. think I mean I, I sort of feel that with Harry Potter although there's still a lot of Harry Potter stuff 
coming out, yeah. which is something that um, I'm going to be focusing on on the summer school, looking at those mm. afterlives of the Harry Potter series, which I'm very interested in as a as a researcher. Do you think she's going to go out there and carry on? Do you think eventually she's going to be like, yeah, oh, okay. well, I mean, she keeps saying that she's not going. I personally would like her to go back and do the sort of previous generation, the Marauders, yeah. Yeah. that kind of thing, because I think that's a really interesting story that we've seen snippets of. I'm probably more interested in that than I am in, you know, the the, the whole cursed child. child of, yeah, yeah. I, I, I want it. I want a series just based on Snape. Honestly, yes. he's an interesting character. I, <laughs> I love, love him. Snape. Well, Draco Malfoy is my absolute favourite really? character. Um, and I'm I'm attempting my my next academic book is is hopefully going to be all about Draco Malfoy, but Snape is my is my second favourite Harry Potter character, yeah. and I love Alan Rickman. Oh, I miss Alan Rickman. I miss Alan Rickman. <laughs> I'm a big Kevin Smith fan, and obviously he was in Dogma. And mm. I love Alan Rickman. Oh, never ends. Oh, love is. Oh. We'll just fantastic. talk about Alan Rickman for the next half let's, an hour. Let's <laughs> do that, yeah. I'd happily do that. Um, um, so, what were you? So, I was about to say, what were you like when you were a youngster? But you, you seem like you, you really enjoyed kind of sit quietly reading the book. Or? I loved reading. I, I was, <clears throat> I was quite solitary. I, I because I had quite bad asthma as a child. Yeah. In the winter, I was always sitting in the sick bay at school. I wasn't allowed mm. outside, and so I sit there with the books. Um, oh, wow. And in in the summer, in fact, I would in the summer holidays because I had a massive phobia of bees and wasps. I I just didn't like going outside. Yeah. And so I'd creep outside. As soon as I heard a buzz, I'd run back in, sit in my bedroom with a book. Me and Nancy and are calling here. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not much of an outdoor reader. I'm, I was very very much reading in the bedroom on my own. Yeah. Again, that's a lot like my sister. So I kind of I kind of get that because my um my sister would would just sit for hours. Hours and hours and hours, and she just smashed books out one after the other. Mm. She got to the point that by the time she was like not even in a team, she read every single book in the house. Like, yeah. <laughs> my parents had to keep going out and buying books. Um, but yeah, I mean, she she was very much like that. We were always outside. I was always outside, getting covered in mud and <laughs> hurting myself or something, and come back in. She'd just sit there with a book. She hasn't moved. Like, you know, she's just like sees me going out. She's coming back in crying. Like and she's just like. <laughs> Um, with with the with the the uh, Audible's great. Audible's really good, but obviously, like everything's going digital now. Um, libraries are—I'd say they're under attack at the moment. Um, so it's, it's it's important to kind of you know keep things moving forward with with creative writing. Like get out there and just write. Yeah. You know, um, where do you think it's going to be in the next sort of like you know ten years or so? Do you think there's going to be less libraries, or do you think it'll come back? You know. Well. I mean, I, I think with with the libraries, a lot of it is, you know, government cuts at the moment. And yeah. I've seen um, it, it really sort of hard hitting local libraries that are closing completely or they have, they're running on, you know, seriously reduced staff or seriously reduced hours. Um, you know, when I lived, I used to live in Cardiff and my local library um, started reducing the hours so that there were certain days when it wasn't open anymore yeah, including yeah. sometimes at the weekend which seemed mad to me when mm. you know closing at 12 o'clock on a saturday when that's the prime time that people are going to come i think it's really important that we fight for libraries to stay open absolutely because as much as um you know, you know we're in the middle of a digital reg- revolution and a lot of stuff is going online i think that that you know physical books are still very important i think that there are there are certain um um, communities that that's the only way that they're going to be able to engage with books 
um, and also to have that space where people can can come together and, and read and not just young people as well um, you know it, it, anyone coming together for reading groups that kind of thing I used to be in a wonderful reading group um, back in Cardiff a, yeah. a crime fiction group and it was at a time when I was sort of between jobs and it could have been quite isolating but going and, and talking to these people who and, you know most of them were 30 years older than me and yet we had this shared love of mm. crime fiction and that that kind of thing can make a huge difference so yeah. I would hope that we can, you know, fight to keep libraries open, fight to keep that provision. I think there. it's really important. I mean, we were talking about a lot about this in comics. I know, I know, comic book books don't have the same sort of importance as you know literature, like through the But I think decades. they do. Actually. Oh yeah, well, they, yeah, they do. Uh, it kind of, but at the same time, it's the same. It's the same thing, isn't it? There's nothing better than the smell of a book or the holding of a book, and like you said, curling up on your bed, and you know. Um, like when I started reading those sharp books, it was my dad that was like, I just broke up from a bad relationship. I'd gone over to see my dad in Ireland. I was kind of heartbroken and stuff. And he was like, here, son, read this. Uh, you can take it home with you and knock yourself out, you know. And I got lost in these books and they really helped me, you know. Yeah, mm. yeah. Um, and I think it's really important, um, especially for people that aren't strong readers like yourself, Shane. Mm. Um it's like weight training, I imagine. Like the more yeah. you read, mm. the better you get, the better your vocabulary gets. You and know? actually you mentioned comics there and of course, Comics, I mean, graphic <clears throat> novels are very expensive. Yeah. Um, and I, I think a, a lot of my own reading of, of comics and graphic novels has been through the library because mm. it's just too expensive quite often to, to buy these. And for younger people, yeah. um, you know, th this is, is one of the ways in which um, young people can engage with them. Um, and, you know, actually a lot of libraries now have fantastic graphic novel collections. Yeah. Um, so again, that that's something. Sometimes you know, I will still use libraries now for texts that I'm maybe not going to get hold of um, elsewhere. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's really important for for those kind of um, books as well. Yeah, yeah, it is, and I just hope I hope that we by the end of it, you know. Um, people realise how. I mean, we're lucky to live in Shrewsbury, right? Because we've got this this great library that no one's we ever going to close yeah. because it's Darwin's library, you know. Mm -hmm. um, whereas, like in Telford, you walk around Telford. I mean, I, I used to walk past Meeting Point House every day on the way to work, and you could just see it. Like the, the, the library is now pushed to the, the corner. It used to be this big grand building that you'd walk walk in when I was a kid, a big high roof, and and you know they renovated all the buildings, and now it's like pushed into the corner, and it's it's almost like a forgotten relic. And I really just hope that. You know, they they bring it back because it is. Important. I think I think it's 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 on a a community aspect as well because I mean, it's not just about the books. It's something, again mm. something I kind of got a lot of inside uh, insight really because with my sister running the library, um, it's a safe place. You yeah. know, so yeah. you get a lot of people going to the library just because it is a safe place. They can go there. The people, the staff there are helpful. They're knowledgeable. Not just about the books or about and that kind of stuff, but about the local area, about local events. No, they, mm -hmm. they know like everything basically, and um, and you know you get people that if they are in trouble or whatever, they go to the library, you know, and and they get help from the library. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, and I think that closing those, it's just closing the doors, isn't it? You know, it's, it's closing. The it's, I suppose it's the same kind of dynamic as like your, your local pub. You know, it's, if if you've got a decent good community local mm. pub <laughs> you just compare libraries to yeah the no like, from a community <laughs> aspect i like it no i like aspect. it because yeah. like you know if if someone's having trouble and and it's a very i mean like not just any pub you I know mean, like good old school you mm -hmm. know community pub where everybody kind of goes you know 
Um, and if, you, if if someone's in trouble, they go to the pub and they speak to the landlady because the landlady is like one of the pillars of the community, you know, and they, they just know everything. I, like it. I really like <laughs> You know, it. and it's the same sort of thing with libraries as well. But obviously, I think libraries are more on a broader spectrum. You know, a lot of people from all walks of life would just go to a library because that's where you can get help, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, and I think that closing them all is just going to be, it's just counterproductive for community on a whole really and, that, and that's yeah. from someone who doesn't read very often as well that's really good you know i really like that i really do um so what what's going on here then what are you what are you doing to to do your bit well we have quite an active public events program at the university center shrewsbury um the english department have we've made it our mission to take over as many of those events as possible so looking through the brochure you'll see lots and lots um of our events in there um lots of free events as well um and we have a lot going on. We have um, talks, seminars, workshops. Um, what's going on in, in this week coming up is our um, popular fiction summer school. Um, and the summer school is something that we've been running for a few years now and we have a different theme every year. But as I got my hands on it, finally, this year, I said, well, you know, we have to do something on popular fiction um, because... I think it's important to get that message out there, particularly from a university, yeah. to say that this stuff is valuable and that you can be reading this stuff and you shouldn't be, you know, hiding it in inside a, a copy of Shakespeare. Mm. You know, it, it's perfectly acceptable to be reading this stuff, to be studying this stuff. As an academic, I've met a lot of resistance um, from certain academic communities in terms of, you know, they hear what I'm researching and, and just laugh at me. Why, though? Why? Which is, I, I don't know. It, it's crazy. I mean, I, I had a, a weird... Um, email um a few months ago from a lady who was interested in doing a crime fiction um phd and, and asked if i'd be interested in supervising um so crime fiction you know popular fiction it's genre fiction um podcasts as well yeah. <laughs> amazing and and um and then i got another email from her a few hours later saying i've just been looking at your profile and i see you research harry potter um and then she went harry potter really um, I don't think we'll be a very good match after all. And that, <laughs> that like, really what? shocked me. And I thought, thank goodness, that was a sort of um, lucky thing that, that that she sort of did that before I yeah. said yeah. yes. Invested come and, on it, yeah. Um, but, but you meet this kind of resistance in, in lots of different areas. So for me, I think having um, a summer school which is focusing specifically on popular fiction and lots of different types of popular fiction as well um, was something that was important to get that message out there um, that this is perfectly um, good stuff to be reading, it's perfectly good stuff to be you know, writing, engaging with creatively, and it's perfectly good stuff to be researching, studying as well. well is, it, is, it, is it a way to find out what's, what, what are the perfect minerals for for? popular fiction is that what it is is that what, what how why how did this become how did jk rowling make him all these millions like you know well i mean <clears throat> that is part of the question but what one of the um key things we're going to look at so we're kicking off on um thursday the 27th of june um with a, a sort of evening roundtable session where i've got a panel of experts on popular fiction coming along um to talk you know, you know exactly about this phenomenon of popular fiction and one of the key questions we're going to attempt to answer i'm not sure we can answer it is what actually is popular fiction yeah because that's a really sort of slippery term um and you know there are so many different ways that we can define it in terms of genre in terms of audience um 
and and, and it's a, a really kind of difficult thing to get your teeth into so that's one of the things that we're going to be thinking about um, at that sort of roundtable panel. We've got um, Louise Chadwick from Butnam Baird Children's Bookshop coming along. Um, we've got an independent scholar, Dr. Sam Saunders, who works on crime fiction. Um, we've got Dr. Poppy Wilde, who um, is a media and communications lecturer at yeah. Birmingham City University. Um, and we um, also, I'm trying to think who's the fourth person now. Oh, we've got um, Alex Hale, who's the librarian at Shrewsbury High School. So mm. what I wanted was to, to get people who are engaging with popular fiction on a day-to-day basis, but in different ways. So that's what that um, free event is going to explore. Um, and then for the rest of the weekend, so from Friday to Sunday, um, we have our, our popular fiction summer school, as we're calling it, um, which you can you can book for the entire thing. So it's um, £60 for the full th- three days or you can um, pay per session. Um, we've got a number of seminars, of workshops um, and talks going on throughout that weekend. And we've tried to make it as varied as possible there. So if you look at that, there might be things on that schedule that you might not think of as being popular fiction and and in fact when I put the idea out there to um, some of my fellow academics um, from University Centre Shrewsbury uh, and over at our partnership University in Chester um, they came back with some things that surprised me and I was thinking well is that popular fiction but actually thought about it and said well yes it probably is. Like what? What did it Um, say? Well people like um, um, Haruki Murakami he's a a Japanese writer um, who is you know you know not someone I, I would have thought of, um, but but who has has written a kind of wide range of of texts in different genres, some sort of um, sci-fi based, um, and people also a lot of Victorian fiction we were getting back. So things that and this is an interesting one. So the Brontes, for example. Mm. Now the Brontes are an interesting. Um, group in in terms of well you know they are firmly within the canon of english Mm. literature you know those respected authors that we all study um and yet at the same time you you know there is something about that fiction in in its own time it it was i suppose popular fiction sherlock holmes you know sherlock holmes he couldn't get any more popular yeah people still read it exactly um and you know you know people like dickens sort of come out and under this title as well you know dickens is very respected nowadays but in his own time and the way that he published you know um and a way a lot of the victorians published in um sort of serialized magazines these were very popular forms that were selling to a lot of people. And these were forms that were often criticised at the time. You know, they were looked down on yeah. at the time. So things that we think of as being quite respectable now weren't necessarily respectable in their own but time. The controversy there. Controversy sells, yeah. though, right? You so, know. so we've we've got um, we've got a whole load of Victorian fiction there. So we've got um, the Brontes. Um, we've got um, Elizabeth Gaskell um, as well, and we've got um, Wilkie Collins, who's the sensation fiction writer. Um, and then we we also um, have some more contemporary people like Haruki Murakami. Um, we've also got Patricia Highsmith, who um, wrote the, the Ripley. Um, books of the talented Mr. Ripley. Oh wow, well, yeah. Hmm. Um, and yeah. we we've got a bit of YA fiction in there. So I'm doing a talk um, with my PhD student on LGBTQ YA. Um, it's actually the 50th anniversary this year of um, John Donovan's book. I'll get there. It better be worth the trip, which is sort of seen to be the first um, gay YA novel. 
okay. that was published. And so what we're doing in that talk is sort of looking um, at how um, LGBTQYA fiction, bit of a mouthful, um, <laughs> looking at, at how it's developed, you know, where we've, where we've come um, in that time. Um, I've, I'm also running a Harry Potter session, of course, because it's my <laughs> obsession. So I'm, I'm looking on the Sunday, I'm doing a session on um, the world according to J.K. Rowling, I've called it, mm. looking at Harry Potter's afterlives. So looking at all these things in the Harry Potter universe that have come out since the um, original series. So the Cursed Child stage play, um, also things like um, the Pottermore website um the fantastic beasts films as yeah, well yeah. um and looking into that you know all that controversy around rowling as, as as well in in that sense that she's um she has a lot of control over over the series still and, and that kind of retroactive imposing of diversity um in response to some of those yeah criticisms so there's been a lot i love her on twitter on she's amazing on twitter yes she's one of she the best is she there. is interesting isn't I love she? The way she just slams people when they come up with their own theories she's yeah. like well no <laughs> and and that you know is, is something we'll talk about it's potentially you know is it problematic you know um you know back in the 1960s roland bart talks about this idea of the death of the author that once the text is out there um it's no longer you know it, it, it the product of the author it's it's something for the reader to take out and do with what they will yeah um jk rowling is is very much um of of i think she's one of those few um real celebrity authors who have a huge amount she's of power. isn't she yeah she has a huge amount of power over what goes on in that series and there are kind of tensions that um come up around that idea so that's something that we will look at in in that workshop and we've got some creative writing workshops um as well so um we've got a writing ya fiction workshop on sunday and on the saturday we've got a creating a popular character workshop so hopefully there's something for everyone there um and we do have sounds like so much night i should pop i mean we're we're busy at the weekend don't we we're speaking to the mayor (coughs) but um it's something like because creative writing for me has always been in the back of my mind you know, I've written a first chapter of my first ever book and I've sat in the drawer for the last three years, you know, because I spent two or three days describing the glow of the fire on the guy's face. <laughs> you know, and I was kind of like, this is hard work. <laughs> so I'd like to learn some, some uh, technique. You know? and, and creative writing is becoming a, a really popular area of, yeah. of study, I think. And we're seeing more and more. Um, <clears throat> workshops and university courses and I think that's a good thing and for me you know reading and writing are part of the same skill set really I think you have to be a, a, a kind of avid reader to be a good writer yeah. um, and vice versa really um, and, and so we try and um, in our English degree we, we encourage creative writing um, as part of that degree not just in our creative writing modules but often I have kind of creative um, assessments in um, you know my YA modules or my children's literature modules, and we get some brilliant results from that. We have some brilliantly creative students. Yeah, you you say you used to like writing. Yeah. yeah, well, I was about to say like, I think it's also a um uh, like a, a a timing thing as well. I mean, when I was doing my creative writing, I, I wouldn't have told anybody because it wasn't cool. Yeah, like, and like you know, my mates would probably take the mic and stuff like that. But nowadays, people don't care. But it's not, it's not that they don't care. They 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 don't. They're not. They, if if anything, it's cool. You know, like when I was growing up, you know, uh, 
people with ginger were getting bullied. You know, people with glasses were getting bullied. People who were good at school were getting bullied. Mm-hmm. But now it's like flipped. Mm-hmm. It's like it's now cool to be good at school. Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, you know, it's now like you know, if you if you come top <clears> of your <throat> class, are like this guy, man, this guy. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but like, um, so it's kind of it's kind of a bit alien. But I, I would kind of wish that I was brought up in today's kind of world in a way because I might have been more felt more able to then go into these different different sort of well I think you're beautiful regardless thanks man <laughs> <laughs> thanks. Um, but you know it's I mean it's it, it's the same in all war, in all kind of areas I mean I'm a mechanic by trade and um, and in the mechanic circles obviously you probably heard of Haynes manuals and that kind of stuff um, well they're known as like Mickey Mouse books in like the in in the you know mechanic world um, because they they've got pictures and they're, they're they're very much like you know do a then do b you know <laughs> it's very very you know and they're like oh you know don't don't like don't an read IKEA them. flat pack yeah literally <laughs> like and but I personally I'm like well I learned a lot actually from looking at Haynes manuals when mm. I was a kid my dad used to give me a Haynes manual and just be like yeah I read that like you know and I'd just be like all right so I sit there and read Haynes manuals you know just because <laughs> it's got pictures and stuff in it and I find it a bit easier to connect with um and I think that. It's. I mean, I could go on for ages when I talk about like the education system and and how it needs to revamp. And <laughs> but there's probably a talk for another day. But like um, at school, uh, I struggled through school because because I, I don't connect with reading because I don't, you know, I, I just don't I don't engage with it very well and I struggle. It meant that I then struggled through school because essentially, if you can't read very well or, or you struggle with reading, mm. especially back then you kind of just got pushed to one side basically and they didn't really know what to do with you <laughs> you know because all all the all the stuff that they had for the for the curriculum was through text you know and, and it's yeah. just like you and I'm like well I can't I can't deal with this <laughs> you know this is um, this is where my kind of move into podcasting kind of plays into creativity which is why I, because one of my favorite people in the world is kevin smith right and he's not just a, a funny guy with a flat cap who smokes drugs and is funny on you know on a microphone he's a real big advocate for creativity and he says that it doesn't matter what what level you're at everybody's a writer you know you mm. sit and you write mm. things on facebook you write you know to, 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 to you know write something that is you know uh literate and readable on twitter these days you got to put some thought into it. So if you can do that, you're a writer. If you read everything on Facebook every day, you are a reader. There, there is, there's an entrance point for everybody, yeah. right? You know, um, and I, it, it it does help people. I mean, when when I was doing when I was doing this role playing thing, um, I can remember my mom actually saying that she could see a difference in. It's funny you said earlier about um, about you, you know the way you, was it you? It was somebody said something about. Um, about speech and you know being able to to you know your vocabulary is better and that kind of stuff. My speech and vocabulary did improve when I was doing my creative writing, um, and I you know a lot of people said that they could tell the difference. I was using mm. words that I wouldn't even yeah normally, <laughs> like use, normally yeah. use you know. Well, my fiance um, has a fantastic vocabulary. Half the time I, I have no idea what he's saying, <laughs> but he he learnt most of it from Warhammer books. Yeah. 
Yeah. That that's where he got it from. So he comes up with all these weird and wonderful words. I'm like, yeah. what, what does that mean? <laughs> it's like I have a PhD in English and I don't know what you're talking do, about. The question is, do you actually let him know that you don't know what he's talking about? Uh, sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> sometimes I call him out and, and sometimes he doesn't know what he's talking about either. But. Right, sit there. We're going to get dictionary. <laughs> right, we're going to prove you wrong. Uh, <laughs> so how are things going with this? Have you had much uh, feedback? Lots of traction? Um, we have. We'd like we'd like some more people coming along. Really, we we particularly like. Um, some more school and university students. We've got special rates for for school students, for university students. It's £20 for the entire three days or it's half price for single sessions because we think it's really important to get them in. A lot of our public events so far, we have a certain set of people, I think, that that come to them or we have people that are interested in a particular... um, text or film that we're looking at and come but what we haven't managed to do that much of yet is attract young people in um so yeah if any young people are listening this is me saying please please come along um and engage with us because we've got lots going on even if you're not coming um to the summer school we've got lots and lots of really interesting events um of things that hopefully you'll be interested in you know it's it's not just the real highbrow perhaps slightly dull stuff that sometimes goes on in universities um you know i i dress up in my slytherin robes and and we get to um read harry potter and do wizard jewels and things so there's lots of fun things going on and and i think that that's the real key to any kinds of engagement with literature um and any kind of education really is enjoying it and and Mm. you know doing what you love and i've been lucky enough that i've been able to do that you know from my phd onwards i was self-funded for my phd but that was because i knew exactly what i wanted to do it on i couldn't get the funding to to do that um but i thought i would rather um you know go and do what i want rather than pick something else just for the sake of yeah Yeah, yeah. and and i say that to my students as well that it's really we try and give them as many opportunities to do what they want in their own research projects bringing in their own texts i often have open questions where if they don't like the the reading that we've done on the course they can go and pick their own book Mm. um, and fit it with what we've learned and i always find that the best results come from um independent study and people who have a real passion for what they're doing and I think that that's the most important thing. If you're passionate about something, um, then you're going to enjoy it. You're going to learn more about it. And that's what I try and bring to, to my own courses. And that's what I want um, people of all ages mm. to bring to this kind of engagement. And, and that's really, for me, what this Popular Fiction Summer School is all, all about. It's, it's, it's saying there's some really interesting stuff going on here with the kinds of texts that you actually might enjoy and be passionate about. So do come along and engage with it yeah I, I encourage people to get involved with this because yeah maybe 60 quid but do you know what you're going to learn a lot from this you know you're, you're going to get a lot from that and um you know if you if you've got like me you've got a chapter up in your drawer i sat there for four years or whatever then you're going to learn some tools here that might help you be able to create yeah so and, and if you're then. interested <laughs> and you know what that 60 pound could turn into you know 200 million or pound you could be the, the next table cratchit yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah you never know or we actually are offering individual sessions as well so if you if you yeah. don't want to pay for the entire summer school or if you're not interested in all the sessions you can um book individual sessions which are 10 pounds for workshops or seminars um and five pounds for talks or um, half price for those if you're at school or university 
Um, so there are lots of affordable ways to engage if it's just you know one creative writing session, for instance. And how can people find more information? Um, you can find more information on the University Centre Shrewsbury website, which is me desperately digging for the address. <laughs> um, www.ucshrewsbury.ac.uk um, slash public hyphen events. Or if you just go to the website, there is um, a, a tab at the top for public events and that will show everything that we um that we've got up on the website at the moment that's forthcoming that's really good um so what else are you going to be doing apart from this then where you know um have you got any other events you see you've got lots going on at the university what else yeah we have on? well actually it's almost that english literature week i think next week because we <laughs> we have a um a sort of more academic conference going on um the day before that so we're going to be very busy but um this is open to you know anyone who is interested in this and this is um an event on um again i'm digging around for it it's called a space of their own women writing and place 1850 to 1950 yeah. and that's a couple of our phd students um are running that and it is um again you can book on the website that's 20 pounds for the day's conference and we've got some um a number of academic speakers here talking on a vast range um, of subjects there so that is on Wednesday the 26th of June so tickets are still available for that um, we've also got um, in our free public events program coming up on um, Saturday the 6th of July at 10 a.m. Um, we have um, a talk on the Brontes um, given by Kimberly Braxton who's also taking part in our um, public events program um, doing another event on the Bronte. So if you're interested in the Brontes, those are the ones to come to. Um, we've got another Patricia Highsmith event, in fact, coming up um, on Wednesday, the 28th of August as well, which is another of our PhD students from Chester, um, Sally Jones, um, is looking um, at the talented Mr Ripley there, doing a session on that on Wednesday, the 28th of August. Um Lots of stuff hopefully going on from the new academic term as well. I'm thinking I probably need to get a Draco Malfoy talk in there somewhere. <laughs> so there'll definitely be some Harry Potter coming He's not up that in the next bad. year. Leave him alone. He's not. He's, He's just he... misunderstood. Exactly. <laughs> He's just got a pain in the butt as a father. Um, but we will hopefully be doing some more creative writing workshops um, as well because we've done a few over the past year and those have been um, quite popular. Um, so... Yeah, lots of lots more stuff will be coming up in the public events program from September onwards. But there is stuff up there on the website. To if you send me any links, summer. if you email me any links, I can put them up on Brilliant. the on Thank the Biscuit you. Facebook page. Um, but yeah, this has been this has been really nice. I really Thank enjoyed you. Thank it. You, you for know, me. and um, you know, like I said, uh, everyone is a reader. Everyone is a writer. You know, you've all got phones that you scroll up and down on, and you're. T- type away on them. Um, so you know, this is just the next step. Pick up a book, guys. Um, I should do too, to be honest. Do you know what? It's not. It's not just about the books either. Because I mean, like my my girlfriend reads a lot of Terry Pratchett. She loves Terry Pratchett mm-hmm. like on a supersonic level, <laughs> and um, it's actually spurred off because she's very arty, very sort of crafty as well, and she does paintings and that. Yeah, kind she of painted stuff. us a picture for the she other did, show. Yeah, didn't she? Okay. Um, and uh, and now she like our house is like covered in isn't it? It's covered in paintings, yeah. and it's all. Terry Pratchett inspired so she's painted mm. like the librarian out of the Terry Pratchett book she's painted like death and you know all these different people and uh, and so just from reading the books it's then tapped into another 
you know outlet of, yeah. of creativity from within her as well and um and now you know who knows what's gonna, gonna go gonna go next it's the same with me when i was reading sharp i can now load a musket in under a minute <laughs> <laughs> good to know guys thank you very much for joining us and uh, make sure you check out um um these at this event i i think it sounds great and um hopefully you know this show helps people get there and they they get something out of it if you do go to if you listen to the show and you've gone because of this show i'd like to hear your feedback as well um you know if you enjoyed it or not but thank you very much for joining us thank you thank you thank you cheers